Alexa, remind me to order roses. I just noted roses in your Amazon cart and sent you no, some Alexa, options. No, Alexa, I said roses. Calling Moses Mobile. Hey babe, don't forget the kids. I won't. Okay. Oh my god. I forgot the kids. Don't forget. I know mom. First things first. All right, what's up, Liquid Church? How y'all doing today? My name is Nathan. I have the privilege of serving here as the teaching pastor. You know, we've got folks that are watching all over the state or are watching online. Can we just welcome them right now? What's up, guys? So good to have you here. And, you know, I'm excited to be here with you as we're wrapping up our series, First Things First. And, you know, it's a whole idea of it's a new year, it's a new you. How do you kind of reboot your life a little bit? Like, get your life back on track. Get your finances back on track, your health back on track, your relationships back on track, and even your faith. How do you get your faith back on track? And that's kind of what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks. In fact, along with this series, we've also been doing a 21-day fast. Many of you are participating. Some folks are fasting from social media. Uh, some are giving up Netflix and Hulu. Others are doing the Daniel fast, where you're only eating certain kinds of foods. You're only eating fruits and vegetables, only drinking water. How are you guys doing so far? You guys doing all right? Who's holding strong here? A couple of you guys? That's awesome. I've got good news. There's only seven days left. All right, and so you're at the home. Oh, we're still clapping. This is great. Um, yeah, we're only seven days left, and I know that for our family, we're super excited to be breaking our fast at Shake Shack. So that is something that we are looking forward to. A couple of you are as well. But listen, in all seriousness, no, this has been a really phenomenal time for our family in terms of just kind of growing spiritually. One of the areas that my wife and I, we've always kind of struggled is in praying together, just in terms of finding the time, kind of doing it on an ongoing basis. So even though we gave up food, we also added something on, which was praying together first thing in the morning. So we've been doing that uh, since the fast started. It's been really great just being able to kind of grow closer to one another, closer to God. And so it's been a phenomenal time just being able to connect to God in that way. So I really hope that even though it's been tough with the food or maybe losing social media, I hope you're getting closer to Jesus. And I hope you're really seeing God kind of break through in your life. And so today we're going to be wrapping up our series with a message on first fruits. And first fruits is this idea that, you know, God has given us so much, so we're going to give him back the first and our best. Have you guys ever heard of this concept, first fruits, right? You know, we're going to give God the first and our best of our life, but if we don't give him our first and our best, whatever we end up giving him ends up being leftovers. Who's got these in your refrigerator, right? You know, maybe, uh, you know, you had an amazing meal. Maybe it's a Thanksgiving or Christmas, and you eat it all up. You're like, nom, 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 yep, it's delicious, right? And then you, um, put everything else in these Tupperware dishes, right? And then you, you kind of take them and you shove them in your refrigerator and then you forget about them for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a year or two, you know, like, you know, you know, I, you know and, and then you pull them out and you're like, I don't even know what these were when they first came out, right? Um, but what does it mean for us to give our first fruits to God? Like the best, brightest, you know, you look at this beautiful bowl of apples and oranges and grapes. And if you're doing the Daniel fast, you're probably getting hungry just looking at it because this is all you can eat, right? Um, but this idea of first fruits, where does it come from? 
It actually comes from the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament. Here's kind of a definition for it. It's referred to the first and best part of the harvest of crops or produce, animals, and firstborn children. So, you know, in the Old Testament, it was written in an agrarian society, so they understood this language of the harvest, and, and you give the first of your harvest, and things like that. And we actually first see this in the Bible in Genesis 4, and there's like a through line all throughout Scripture with this concept. But in Genesis 4, it's a story about two brothers, a brother named Cain and a brother named Abel, and their parents are the first couple ever on planet earth, and that's Adam and Eve. And it says in Genesis 4, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked up with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So let me just break, down, break this down for you. So you've got two brothers, right? You've got Cain. He's a farmer. He grows like, um, like cantaloupe, right? And then you've got Abel, and he's a rancher, and he's got cows and sheep and all those kind of things. And so they both come to God with an offering. And Cain's like, you know, God, um, here, I got an apple for you. And God's like, I don't want your apple. So then Abel's like, all right, Lord, uh, here are my first lambs of the season, and here's the best meat on them. This is all yours. And God's like, now that's what I'm talking about. And so why does God accept Abel's sacrifice and reject Cain's? Is it because God likes barbecue over veggies? Which is, of course, true, but that's not what's happening in this situation. You see, Cain comes to God and says, God, I'm going to just give you some of my fruit, some of my harvest. But Abel comes and brings the first fruits. See, in the time of the Hebrew Bible, when it's first written, your first fruits, giving that to God, was risky. Because your first harvest, or the first animals that you have, I mean, they may be all that you've got to survive. And, and so really, it was a test of whether or not you could really trust God. And so Cain is, is like looking at his, his crop. He's, God, I need this. I don't think I can survive without it. But here, God, you can have my leftovers. You, you can have this, God. And God's like, I don't want your leftovers. I can't take it. But Abel's like, God, this is risky. This is tough. But I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to trust that you're going to bless the rest, that you're going to take care of me. And so this is kind of what's going on in this story. God accepts Abel's sacrifice because Abel understands that God is preeminent. Y'all know what preeminent means? It's kind of a, a big theological word, but it basically means that God, by his very definition, by his very character, can only be first. He created the entire universe, the entire cosmos, therefore he is first. He cannot take anything that's second. So when Cain comes and says, hey, here's, here, here's my leftovers, God's like, I cannot take that because I am God. I am the creator of all things. Because if God is the creator, he's given all things to us. And therefore, we don't really own anything. We're kind of stewarding it. We're holding onto it. And this idea is amplified when, when we look at what God actually says to Moses in Exodus. He says this, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to where? The house of the Lord your God. Notice something here that uses the word bring, not give, because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. What that means is everything in our lives, everything that we own, everything that we have, our skills, our mental capacity, all of our lives are actually a gift from God. It's a grace. And so all of it comes from him, and so he says, give me the first fruits, and all will go well to you. Because God, everything belongs to him. 
Now, when we talk about today, what does it mean to give first fruits today? You know, we don't live in an agrarian culture. You know, I don't think anyone's bringing sheep or goats to church. Um, I mean, you could possibly fill, fit a cantaloupe in a, bo- a popcorn bucket. I don't know. But what we mean more than anything else is our time and our treasure, our money and our minutes. God's calling us to put Him first in those areas. But, you know, it's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Because we live in a, in a time where it just it seems very difficult to put God first, not just with our time, but especially with like our financial first fruits. Because I think many of us live what I call overdrawn lives, especially even in our finances. And maybe you guys know what the term overdrawn means. It's like a banking term, right? Maybe you go to the store and you go to buy, uh, buy some clothes or you go to a restaurant to get something to eat and you pay with your credit card and it's declined. It says card declined on there. And you look at your account and it says, oh wow, like my, I have no funds. And in fact, I'm in the negative. And you know what often happens when we feel, when our finances are overdrawn, we actually end up being emotionally overdrawn, right? Because we get so stressed out, we're anxious, we've got all this angst and, and agita that's inside of us, right? And then it also leads to being overdrawn relationally, right? Because when our finances are struggling, it affects our relationships, and pretty soon we're, we're kind of, you know, living just out of anxiety and fear and out of reaction, and that's the life that God's called us to. In fact, maybe some of you are still recovering from Christmas. Anyone still recovering from Christmas? You know, the average American puts on over an extra over $1,000 on their credit cards during Christmas. Takes them the rest of the year to pay it off, and by the time they pay it off, Christmas shows up again. And they go right back into debt. Or maybe you just graduated college, and you're like, you know, Nathan, I'd love the idea of putting God first and giving him my first and my best. But if I'm really honest, I just, I just can't afford it. I can't, I can't afford to do that right now. Or, you know, I'd love to put God first to give him more time, but the truth is, like, my week is so busy. I've got so many, you know, things that I'm doing, and the kids got all these kind of events, but you know what? Here's what I can give God. I can give God my leftovers. God, you can have what I've got left over at the end of my week, at the end of my paycheck. You know, God, I'll give, I definitely want to give you more, God. I can't give you this stuff yet, but you know, when I get my financial goals met, then I can give you more. Or you know what, God, when I win the lottery, then I'll definitely give you more instead of my leftovers. Or God, when I can just get a better job, and we make all these excuses, but pretty soon what we realize is we never end up giving God the first fruits of our time and our treasure. But you see, God is preeminent. He, he must be first. God wants your first fruits, not your leftovers. God wants the best and the first not just what you have left over at the end of the week. Because here's the reality. Everything that we have has been given to us by God as a gift. But here's what he says. The first part of it is mine. And when we withhold our best and our first from God, you know what is actually happening? We're actually taking something away that belongs to God. We're actually stealing from God. Because remember, he's preeminent. He's first. And when we do that, when we give God what's actually left over, you know what happens? We're actually blocking out God's ability to give us more, to bless us, to give us what we need for life and godliness. But what if we end up flipping the script? You know what I mean? You know, right now we're kind of in this mindset of our lives are overdrawn, we've got too much going on, we've got no margin in our finances, no margin in our time. What if we actually start to flip the script and believe that God actually doesn't want us to be overdrawn, but actually overflowing? Overflowing in time and resources and in money. What if we started to flip the script? and actually put God first. Because at the end of the day, our first fruits aren't about stuff. God doesn't need any of your money. He doesn't need any of your stuff. He wants your heart. But if you want to know your heart condition, if you want to know whether or not your heart is dedicated to Jesus or not, 
Here's the best way to find out. Look at your bank account and look at your calendar. Look how you're spending your money and how you're spending your time. Are you spending your money in ways that are honoring God and giving your first fruits to Him and expanding His kingdom? Are you spending your time in pursuits that are honoring Christ and helping other people uh, know Him and feel loved by Him? Or are they more spent on yourself or reacting to kind of whatever's going on in the world today? See, that's what it means when we're so overdrawn. We almost can't focus on Jesus the way we're meant to. But what if we could actually start to move from an overdrawn to an overflowing life? Imagine what your time would look like if it was overflowing. If you gave God the first of your time, the first of your minutes, and you're able to have the margin where you could actually love people and care for them the way they need to be cared for and loved. You could actually drop what you're doing and actually care for people. What if you could actually be overflowing with your, with your finances? And you re- I could actually be debt-free and actually be able to be a blessing to the people around you. You know, when I was in college, one of my semesters had a hard time paying my tuition. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I was thinking I'd probably have to drop out. I, I just wasn't sure what my options were. And then a buddy of mine who lived next door to me said to me, Hey, Nathan, I heard you're struggling with your tuition. Here, here's a check for a couple thousand dollars. This should cover it. And I looked at him and go, dude, you're in college. I thought you were just as broke as me. What is happening here? He goes, well, you know what? A couple years ago, like, I just felt like I needed to put God first with my finances and give him my first fruits. And I had to change the way I spent my money and changed my lifestyle. And what eventually happened was I found that I was able to save more and actually be more generous so that I could be a blessing to people that are struggling. And I remember, you know, when he did that thinking, man, God, I want to be like that. I want to be able to have an overflowing mentality rather than a hoarding mentality. In fact, I love how Jesus puts it. Jesus says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear what? Much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, we we got to understand this. You see, the way God has created us is that we need to be connected to Him. He is the vine. We are the branches. When we are connected to Him, we're able to bear fruit, the fruits of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity. We're able to bear these fruits, not for ourselves, but so that we can be a blessing to other people, so that we can bless broken people, hurting people, lost people. And when we are not in connection to Jesus, we are not bearing fruit. We are not living the life that God has called us to. In fact, when you are hoarding and holding on to the first fruits for yourself, saying, I got to take care of myself first, God. Sorry, you're just going to have to have the leftovers. You know what's really happening? Instead of getting resources from God, you're getting them from yourself. And instead of being able to receive the blessing of God or the resources that God has from you, you're you're so, you're, you're just hoarding on to what you have, when what God is saying to you is, you need to surrender your first fruits to me with an open heart and open hands, and then you can receive my best. You see, God promises this, If you give me your best, I will bless the rest. If you give me the bless, your first, your best, I'm going to bless the rest. See, you know, maybe we're kind of wondering here, you know, like, what's going on here? Like, I know there's some objections here, right? Like, we're thinking, wait a minute, like, here's the preacher coming. He's talking about money again. Like, you know, like, he's all about money. It's all about trying to get what's in my wallet. And I can understand where you're coming from with that perspective. I get it. But more than anything else, again, it's not about what we have. It's actually about what God wants to do for us. Because at the end of the day, we need to understand this, that God is never going to ask you to do anything he's not willing to ask, or he's not going to ask you to do anything he wasn't willing to do first. In fact, this is how God went first. God gave us his first fruits. God gave us his first and his best in his son, Jesus. 
In fact, here's what it says. Uh, Paul, one of, the church, one of the early church leaders, put it this way. He says this, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn. Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who what? Belong to him. You see, Jesus is the firstfruits that God gave us. God gave us his firstfruits. He gave us his first and his best. Jesus came from heaven to earth and lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. He, he was the complete perfection and holiness, and he took on himself our sinfulness, our darkness, our brokenness, every evil thought, every evil deed. He took that upon himself, and you know what he gave us in return? He gave us holiness. He gave us perfection. He gave us his grace and his righteousness. He made us right with God so we would have gifts like salvation. He gave us gifts like eternal life. And if God has given us all these things like salvation and eternal life, he's given us his best. Why can't we give God our best as well? Because he deserves it. Because if you give God your best, he promises that he will bless the rest. If you give God the best of what you have and you, in a surrendered heart posture, he's going to bless the rest. Now, I want to qualify this a little bit. When I say blessing here, here's what I don't mean. I don't mean that God's going to give you millions of dollars. He could. I don't mean he's going to give you fancy cars or anything like that or that you're going to have the best health ever. Like, you'll still have to go to the gym right? You'll still have to floss. Wouldn't it be great? You just give God your first fruits. You wouldn't have to floss again. That'd be amazing. But, you know, you still have to do those things. I mean, he may bless you in all these other ways and other capacities, but sometimes when it means we put God first, it means we actually may need to reevaluate our lifestyle and actually maybe change the way we live and, and make some changes and say no to some things so we can say yes to better things. That's what it means when we start to kind of reevaluate ourselves and actually make God the first and give him our first fruits. It's saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give you the best that I got so that you can bless the rest. So I want to give you two practical, concrete ways that you can give God your first fruits. The first is this. Give the first fruits of your finances. The first fruits of your finances. You know, last spring, Pastor Tim did a phenomenal series called In God We Trust. I think many of you were here for that series. And one of the, I think, the big ideas I really kind of clung to in this series is when Pastor Tim was talking about actually living beneath our means. So not living, you know, within our means, but actually living way beneath it. In fact, that's why we give God the tithe or the 10%. In fact, here's what Scripture says. It comes from the Old Testament. It says this, A tithe, which again means, a ten, means 10, of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So again, going back to the idea of first fruits, the first 10% belongs to God. But the truth of the matter is, everything belongs to God. All 100% all belongs to God. But what God says is, I'm going to give you everything that you have. All I ask is that you give the first 10% of your finances to God, to me. So basically, you're saying, God, that if, if I give you the, 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 the 10%, the, the first fruits, you're going to let me keep the rest? That sounds like a great deal, God. I'm down with that. I, I, I can do that. But at the end of the day, this isn't because God wants your money. This isn't because God needs your stuff. More than anything else, it's because God knows how corrosive the love of money can be on the human heart. When we put money first and everything else second, what it does, it actually starts to corrode our character. It corrodes our relationships with other people. It actually can have a destructive force on our lives when we put money above everything else. But God says the way you keep that in check is by giving your first fruits of your finances. God wants to help us trust him more than our money. And we do that by giving him the first fruits of our finances. In fact, more than anything else, if we can get to that place where we say, all right, God, I'm going to trust you 
more than what's in my bank account, we're coming to a place where we're actually growing in our character and our love of God. In fact, that's exactly what James and Lindsay Jacoby discovered. This is a picture of James and Lindsay uh, and their three kids. And, you know, they were here last spring when Pastor Tim was preaching on finances in the series In God We Trust. And during that series, one of the things that Pastor Tim was talking about was the 90-day tithe challenge. Now, the 90-day tithe challenge we actually get from the book of Malachi. In Malachi, God actually tells the people to test me in this, guys. If you don't believe that I'm going to bless the rest of what you have, if you give me 10%, test me in this. Try it and see. And so we have this thing called the 90-day tithe challenge. It's kind of crazy, where we basically challenge people who don't tithe and say, listen, if you tithe for 90 days, give the first fruits of your finances for 90 days, and in that 90 days, if you don't experience God's blessing, whether it's spiritual blessing, relational blessing, uh, blessing maybe in your businesses or in your homes, or even financial blessing, if you don't experience God's blessing within that 90 days, we will give you a full refund, no questions asked. And so the Jacobis were like, all right, let's do that. And so they did the 90-day tithe challenge. They tithed for, nine, tithed for 90 days. And here's what they said in an email. Lindsay wrote this. She said, since we started tithing, James was able to leave his corporate job, write a book, and start his own company. I also spent the last year working on finding donors to open a small innovative school in Mendham and have since raised enough money to launch this school this September. Can we just give God a praise for that, for showing up? And you know, we have hundreds of stories all across our campuses of God blessing people, not just financially or materially, but even things like peace in the home. We had someone that was saying, you know, Nathan, we were struggling in our home. We were constantly fighting, constantly struggling. Our house was the last thing but peaceful. But we started tithing, started giving God the first fruits of our finances, and all of a sudden this peace came into our home. And we were able to have this, this contentment that was there. I was talking to another guy who was a business leader who said, you know, Nathan, like our business was struggling. We didn't know what to do next, but, you know, we started to say, okay, we'll do this 90-day tithe challenge and see what happens, even though we were having a hard time making it work at first. But then God started blessing our business. Our business started to grow. It was incredible. Now, I just want to kind of qualify this because, you know, it's amazing to see how God is moving through this. The 90-day tithe challenge is not a get-rich-quick scheme, okay? It's not a way to say, God, if, you, if I give you this, you got to give me this, right? Because really, remember, it's all about our hearts, God wants our hearts. He wants to show us that when we put him first, he's going to take care of the rest of our lives. And so what if in 2019, what if when you wanted to get your financial life on track, you just decided today, I'm going to take a risk and put God first in my first fruits. I'm going to give him the first 10% of my finances. Maybe you're here today and you've never tithed. And maybe that's your next step to say, all right, God, I'm going to give you 10% and trust that you're going to bless the rest. All right, I'm, I'm going to do that. Or, or, or maybe you're here today and you're like, Nathan, I, I'm a tither, man. Like, I'm all in. That's what I'm about. Maybe God's calling you to actually go to the next level and go from 10% to 11% or 12% to actually increase what you can say you can trust God with so that he can, again, release more blessing into your life. Or maybe you're here and you're like, no, Nathan, I, I'd love to give more, but I'm struggling right now. We just lost our job. I don't know if I can do it. Maybe what God's asking you to do is just give what you can consistently. Make it a habit and a rhythm of your life. Because remember, the amount's not what it's about. It's about our hearts and choosing to trust God rather than our resources and our wealth. In fact, I love how Paul puts it. He says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. See guys, this isn't about guilt. It's not about compulsion. 
It's about what is God saying to you and putting on your heart. In fact, if I can just share with you, you know, one of the great joys I have is knowing that I can give to God, that God has given me so much in my life. He's given me so much in terms of my family and just taking care of me and all my life experiences that I just simply have to say out of gratitude, God, I'm so thankful for what you're doing in my life that I get to give. I get to give. It becomes actually a source of joy in my own life and a joy that I hope you get to experience and you get to live when you know the joy of just kind of being generous and giving to God. Give God the best of your finances, your first fruits of your finances. Now we'll look at the second principle, which is this. Give God the first fruits of your service. Give God the first fruits of your service. You know, in the uh, Old Testament, when people would come to offer their sacrifices, they'd often bring, you know, like some animals or some, you know, seeds or something like that, where they'd say, all right, God, I'm going to sacrifice this to you. But then when Jesus came, remember, he's our first fruits, there's no longer a need for sacrifices. There's no longer a need for animals to die, but we can actually come to Christ and offer him something else. And this is what, how Paul describes what we offer to God. He says, he says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? Say this with me, church. Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of what? Worship. Worship. See, we don't need to offer sacrifices to God. We offer ourselves to him in worship. And the way we do that is by serving others. The way we do that is putting ourselves second and others first. It's tithing our time, saying, God, you've given me this amount of time. I'm going to give you my first fruits of my time. And can I just tell you, here at Liquid, all across our campuses, we have folks that are tithing their time week in and week out. They give the first 10% of their week uh, helping you find a parking spot. They give the first 10% a week helping you get a cup of coffee, maybe watching your middle schooler. I guarantee you they get here 10% earlier than you do as a way so they can bless you with their time. And so that's what we want to invite you today, to actually take a step of giving the first fruits of your time to God today. As a way so that you can actually say, all right, God, I'm going to trust you with my time. I'm going to trust you that if I give you the first 10% of my time, that you're going to bless the rest. In fact, I know for many people, Sunday is kind of dedicated as, as like a family day, and I love that. In fact, what I love more is when families say, we're going to serve together as a family. Because it's a family day, so we're going to serve together. In fact, that's probably what, what I love about what our, we do here at our campus in Morris County. We have this one family called the Vesley family. And the Vesleys, here's a picture of them right here. You probably see them when you first come into the parking lot. You see Kevin and his two sons, uh, Reed and Hudson, they're seven and eight, and they're out in the parking lot. They're greeting people, giving people high fives and fist bumps as they come in. Uh, their mom is serving over in the Welcome Center, kind of as a way to kind of help encourage people, give people new here bags and things like that. And it's, it's like the best part of their day, Sunday is, because they get to serve, they get to see people, and they get to be the first face that people see. And you know what I love most about what Kevin and Monica are doing here? They're actually modeling, they're actually teaching something to their sons, the value of giving God the first fruits of their time. Saying, as for me, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord with the first fruits of our time and our energy. And so when you come in here and you see Kevin and the boys in the parking lot, in the parking team, no matter what the weather, make sure you give them a high five and a fist bump. By the way, can we just give it up for our parking team? They're amazing, aren't they? I just got to shout them out. Because if you're looking for a ministry that's like man versus nature, this is it. 
It doesn't matter. You know, they're more reliable than the post office. It can be raining or snowing, sleeting, hailing, whatever it is. They're out there with a smile on their face, no matter what the weather, welcoming people in, showing you where you can get a cup of coffee, helping you find a parking spot. They're an incredible group of men and women. In fact, here's one of the things I love about them is they've actually made it their goal, some of them, to actually know the names of every special needs family that come to our church. And so whenever they come in, they're, they're, they're trying to get their names right so they can actually greet them by name as a way to say, hey, listen, we love you, we value you, so it's important for us to know your name. It's important for us to greet you by name because God knows your name, and he speaks your name. So we want to do that too. This isn't just something that they do because they have to, or it's been kind of induced by guilt. It's actually something that they've owned, and they love doing. And it fires them up. And I love hanging out with them and seeing their passion and their fire for serving Jesus in this way. Guys, here at Liquid, we have a huge vision, and that's to saturate the state with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need everyone to do it. We need everyone. And so in a moment, actually at all of our campuses, you're going to, when you head out your doors, you're going to see a sea of blue t-shirts and orange t-shirts because it'll be our Dream Team Expo. And what this means is that people are going to be out there that you can actually talk to about how you can serve and how you can get involved. And can I tell you something? You know the people that have like, like the most fun at our church? It's the folks that are serving. It's, it almost doesn't seem fair how much fun that they have. They have so much fun. In fact, one of our core values here at Liquid Church is church is what? Church is fun. And if you want to know how to have fun, hang out with folks that are serving because they know how to have fun. In fact, when you go out to the Dream Team Expo today, you're going to meet folks from different teams and they have a spot for you. It doesn't matter what kind of, what kind of person or what, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, there's a place for you to serve and where you can get connected to. In fact, I want to kind of share with you a couple of our teams right now. Um, I can't share with you with all of them because I will forget one and then they'll get mad at me and I'll get an email. So I'm going to highlight a few of them. Um, for instance, we've got our media team. That everything that you see with like the sound, the lighting, and all that stuff, they do that. We've got our clean water cafe team. They're giving you the coffee unless you're doing Daniel Fast and you're just having another orange, right? Um, but you know, they, they're making sure you have your caffeine. We've got a data team, so if you want to input data, they, you can, that's your like jam. They, they, we have a team for that, and they do a phenomenal job. And we have all sorts of teams that when you go out into your lobby or into your atrium, you can talk to various team leaders, and they're going to tell you about what they do and how they do it, and they want to help you find where your best fit is. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he gives each and every one of us spiritual gifts, and we have those gifts, and that we can serve in many ways because of those different gifts. Now, Maybe some of you are thinking, wait a minute, Nathan, I'm a small group leader. How come you didn't call me out? Well, listen, we love our small group leaders, and you're definitely part of our dream team. But remember, in a couple weeks, we're going to be highlighting groups on Group Sunday. and That's where we're going to talk about small group leaders. Maybe you're interested in being a small group leader. We'll have more information on that there. But these are folks who every week, they faithfully are tithing their time so that we can actually be in the God's presence. And maybe you're looking at some of these guys and some of the things that we do here go, do we guys, do we really need help? Absolutely. We're always looking for folks that can come and help, whether it's on the worship team or hanging out with middle school kids. We're always looking for folks that can come and help and serve alongside us to help us with our goal to saturate the state for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as these folks are faithfully tithing their time by serving, I am in the same spirit want to do something where I'm actually going to do a reverse tithe and give you back 10% of your time in this message so you can go out experience the Dream Team Expo. So I, I, I think it's good that you guys like shorter sermons, so we'll, 
I don't want to dig too deep into that. But, <laughs> but listen, let me pray for us, and then, um, you, then your campus leader is going to give you instructions on what you need to do for the Dream Team Expo. So let's pray. Spirit of God, I want to thank you so much because of you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. You promised to take care of us when we give you our first fruits. So God, give us courage to hear your voice and then give us the courage to do what you say, to choose to trust in you and not just do things the way we want. Because God, you want to take care of us. You want to release blessing into our lives that we're blocking right now because we're choosing to take care of ourselves on our own accounts and not yours. And so, Father, as we go out to the Dream Team Expos across all of our campuses, I pray that you'd help us find the, the right spots, the right fit, so that we can really live out your dream. Because, Lord, what you're, we really believe that teamwork makes your dream work. And we want to see your dream work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.